Chapter Three of the Subjection of Isabel Carnaby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Subjection of Isabel Carnaby by Ellen Thornycroft Fowler. Chapter Three: The Scourge of the Red Cord. Fabia came to England, as had been arranged, and was received by Mrs. Paul Seaton with open arms. But Miss Vipart had not been long at Prince's Gardens before Isabel realized that she had opened her arms a little too wide before understanding all the bearings of the case. She at once confided the discovery of this error, and her repentance of the same to Paul, who, like a good husband and unlike a good wife, carefully refrained from saying anything which, even by the freest translation, could be construed into, I told you so. He was for sending Fabia back to India by return of post, so to speak, having, again like a good husband, no sense of proportion, where his wife and his wife's interests were concerned. The man who is alive to the laws of perspective with regard to the woman that he loves had better take at once a self-imposed vow of celibacy, for while the world stands, he will never make a passable husband. But Isabel, with that innate sense of justice in which it pleases men to imagine that all women are fundamentally lacking, felt that such a course of conduct would be most unfair to her guest, and put the temptation away from her accordingly. It was not really the fault of either woman that the two did not, as the phrase runs, get on well together. They met with the full intention of liking each other extremely, and of being great friends, as the fashionable world counts friendships, but the fact was that they were absolutely incapable of understanding one another, and true friendship without mutual comprehension is a contradiction in terms. It was no fault of Isabel's that, in spite of all the efforts to understand Fabia's character, she signally failed. On the contrary, this failure was rather to her credit than otherwise. With all her faults, of which she had her proper and normal share, there was not one grain of bitterness or acidity in Isabel's character. She was constitutionally incapable of feeling either the one or the other. True, in the old half-forgotten days she had written a book which was noted for its bitter cynicism, but that was but the expression of a temporary phase, which was altogether foreign to her natural bent of mind. She had dipped her pen in gall, as she wrote, but the pen-wiper was ever at hand to remove the foreign substance as soon as she had done with it, and it had never even temporarily stained her white fingers." Of acidity she was incapable even momentarily. That could never tinge even a passing thought in her mind. She might have been somewhat hard and thoughtless and capricious in her young days. Her detractors said that she was, but none of them could ever accuse her of being soured by the experience of life. Perhaps there was more invigorating saltness than cloying sweetness in her nature, but be it remembered, salt is further removed from acidity than is even sugar. 
and after all hardness and thoughtlessness are faults of youth which decrease with advancing years while bitterness and acidity only eat deeper and deeper as time rolls on into the lives of those who harbour them but because of this very saneness of character which might make her outwardly hard but never inwardly bitter isabel found it impossible to enter into fabia's feelings and was consequently perhaps a little severe and unsympathetic with the girl she had never experienced that social ostracism which had entered as iron into fabia's soul therefore she was incapable of appreciating its effect upon the girl's character she pitied her for it it is true but pity is often not akin to sympathy whatever it may be to love we must all have the defects of our qualities and isabel therefore could not escape the inherent limitations of the healthy-minded unaffected humorous successful woman fabia on the other hand could not escape the defects of the passionate highly strung reserved thoughtful introspective girl to her superfine sensibilities isabel appeared a little harsh and rough while to isabel's common sense and unfailing humour fabia's supersensitiveness of mind and body seemed decidedly unhealthy and morbid although she never mentioned it to anybody fabia's visit to england was a far greater disappointment to herself than it was to her hostess she had had an idea that when once she was in england among her father's people the feeling of loneliness which had oppressed her all her life would vanish instead of which she felt more isolated here than she had ever done at home it is strange that sense of loneliness and isolation which appears to be the unalterable lot of certain souls they are set apart from their fellows why they know not and nothing that they say or do can break down the wall of partition that stands between themselves and other men from her earliest infancy fabia had been a prey to this terrible feeling of solitariness as a child if other children came to play with her at her own house they always played with each other and left her out in the cold and as a girl the same thing happened with regard to other girls even her great beauty and undeniable intellectual powers did not help her in fact they seemed to place her still further apart from other people no one but herself knew how fiercely she envied those commonplace girls who had their full share of brothers and sisters and more than their full share of bosom friends nor how passionately she resented those qualities in herself which prevented her companions from being comfortably intimate with her and now that she had at last attained her heart's desire and come to england it was just the same people admired and fetted her because of her beauty and accomplishments but they never treated her as one of themselves as they treated isabel and fabia was too quick not to see this they were never rude to her as they had been in india never even impolite but there was a subtle suggestion in the atmosphere that she was a visitor rather than a relation a stranger to be entertained rather than a friend to be welcomed many women would not have been conscious of this but fabia's perceptions were abnormally acute and however much people might flatter her she knew in a moment when they did not like her and agonized accordingly 
Isabel, on the other hand, possessed in a marked degree the gift of friendliness and camaraderie. Everyone who knew her felt that they had known her all her life. She had such a wonderful knack of finding some common ground, whereon herself and the most unlikely person could meet and fraternize. And this quality in her hostess made poor Fabia realize the more poignantly her own loneliness and desolation humanity is divided into two sets of people the people who are inside the red cord and the people who are outside there is no other division that really matters those who are inside are cheerful and comfortable and well liking at peace with gods and men and with everybody except outsiders while those outside are unhappy and desolate and oppressed at war with themselves and each other and bitterly vindictive against those happier beings within the sacred enclosure and it is all the fault of the red cord there are red cords in all worlds and in all phases of life social personal religious and one's happiness mainly depends upon one's relative position towards these said red cords it is a cruel thing this red cord cruel fundamentally to those on both sides of it it fills those within with hardness of heart pride vainglory and hypocrisy and those without with envy hatred and malice and all uncharitableness it is old to this red cord old as human nature ishmael had felt the scourge of it when his hand was against every man and every man's hand against his and those daughters of heth from whom esau chose his wife had learnt how pitiless it could be although inimical to the true spirit of christianity it nevertheless continued to exist after the dawning of the dayspring from on high even the great apostle upon whom the church was built knew how to wield it to the confounding of the gentiles and it was not until the vision of the great vessel had been vouchsafed to him three times that he was content to lay it down it was responsible for the tortures of the spanish inquisition for the horrors of the french revolution it is still responsible for most of the evils of social and political and religious life ever since she could remember fabia vipart had writhed under the scourge of the red cord it had lashed her naturally tender spirit into revolt and rebellion by its merciless system of exclusiveness and isabel seaton who had been born and bred within the select circle and who would never known the misery of those whom society chooses to consign to outer darkness was as ignorant as a babe of all that fabia suffered and as intolerant as a child of the outward signs of that suffering moreover the two women were somewhat far apart in years and so lacked the free masonry of contemporaries if we are considerably older than anybody else it does not invariably follow that we are wiser but it invariably follows that we think we are and nothing will convince us to the contrary therefore isabel was fully prepared to advise and instruct her junior and her junior obstinately refused to be advised or instructed wherein lay the raw material for the manufacture of open warfare 
one afternoon about a month after fabia's arrival in england she and her hostess were sitting chatting in the drawing-room in prince's gardens and the conversation turned upon miss vipart's general discontent with life you should marry remarked isabel you find it the most diverting arrangement and you can't think how much more cosy and cheerful it makes everything fabia looked lazily at her hostess through half-closed eyelids you didn't always think so, for you were in no special hurry to get married yourself. You must have been nearly thirty. Horrid little thing, exclaimed Isabel to herself. I'll tell Paul that the very minute he comes home. The recital to Paul of Fabia's daily iniquities was one of the chief delights of Isabel's life just now, and a wonderful support to her in her endurance of such an incubus. But all that she said aloud was, Twenty-nine and she said it quite good-humouredly. Fabia smiled. You have an admirable temper, Isabel. Isabel had insisted upon Fabia's calling her by her Christian name the moment she arrived. Paul had said privately to his wife that he considered this a mistake, but had been overruled. Now Isabel was never tired of telling Paul how much she wished Fabia would call her Mrs. Seaton, as she couldn't bear people who didn't like her to call her Isabel i know it's a regular beauty she replied i'm not sure that i ever met anybody with a better taking it all round that is to say except where paul is concerned i used to be perfectly vile to him when we were engaged a regular little devil but why i haven't a notion you were in love with him weren't you of course that was the reason that is absurd simply absurd if ever i were so foolish as to be in love with a man or so wise i should be an angel to him all the time naturally because you aren't an angel to anybody else i was an expression of languid amusement spread itself over fabia's face although she was at war with isabel in her heart she was usually entertained by the conversation of the latter the difference between the two women was this fabia sometimes was conscious of isabel's charm isabel never was conscious of fabia's fabia could have loved isabel had she allowed herself to do so isabel tried to love fabia and had failed yet isabel was invariably kind to fabia and fabia was often very unkind to isabel such are the ironies of feminine friendship i fail to see the sequence of thought she said please explain haven't you noticed that amiable women are generally cross with the men they love and cross women are generally amiable with the men they love i once asked a tremendously wise and clever man the reason of this and what did he say i forget what he said but i remember what i said and that was that we offer the greatest rarities as the greatest luxuries to our guests on the same principle as we give them strawberries in december and ice in june so that the good-tempered woman's bad temper and the bad-tempered woman's good temper are special delicacies all the same i cannot imagine your being bad-tempered and disagreeable it would be altogether out of drawing isabel's easy good-humour was a constant source of wonder to fabia being made herself on such different lines she had no idea how easy it was mrs seaton nodded sagely can't you you just ask paul he wouldn't tell me if i did don't you know him better than that of course he wouldn't that's where husbands are so splendid they always stick up for you whether you're right or whether you're wrong in fact rather more when you're wrong than when you're right 
they consider that is playing the game so it is i often wonder continued isabel in a meditative manner what paul really thinks of me he can't possibly think as highly of me as he seems to do because nobody could in fact nobody else pretends to and yet he knows me better than anybody else does it's queer you can't help admitting that it's queer fabia laughed softly very queer indeed and there's lots of other queer things besides continued mrs seaton waxing more communicative i used to think before i was married that when husbands and wives pretended they didn't see each other's faults it was all humbug but now i find that it wasn't of course it is utterly absurd i know but all the same it's true i do not believe it if i had a husband i should see his faults fast enough i couldn't help it even if i tried yes you could you couldn't help not helping it but i should feel such a fool and you would be that's the beauty of it and isabel laughed a rippling little laugh of pure happiness that's why married life is so good for one she continued you find yourself doing the very things that you've screamed with laughter at other women for doing and this teaches you better than a whole library of books or a complete course of oxford extension lectures that you are not one whit better or wiser than everybody else but that is a lesson that i should hate to learn objected fabia who was one of the women who derive a painful pleasure from the notion that no one ever felt as they feel or suffered as they suffer although she hated her solitariness she was in a sense proud of it human nature having a strange knack of feeling pride in its own deficiencies as well as in its own excellencies delicate people are as proud of their delicacy as strong ones are of their strength and small men are as proud of their light weight as big ones are of their bulk life is full of compensations and our own good conceit of ourselves is by no means the least of them it is no use hating things if you've got to learn them replied isabel with her usual sound sense it only makes life more unpleasant than it need be and does nobody any good but don't you hate to find that you are the same as other people not a bit of it i enjoy the joke and the fact that it is at my own expense makes me enjoy it all the more as i can understand better than anybody else can how excessively funny it is wherein mrs seaton spoke no less than the truth for she was one of the happy beings and their name is by no means legion who derive unfeigned and solid pleasure from a joke at their own expense such persons are rare and they are almost always feminine a man who laughs heartily and naturally at his own absurdity is a very black swan indeed men smile it is true at these ill-timed and inappropriate jests but the smiles are generally of that sickly and watery character which reminds one of a sunset on a rainy day nine women out of ten do not even smile at humour whereof they themselves are the unwilling butts they frown and glower and sulk but the tenth woman not only smiles but laughs with all her heart holding her sides in the exuberance of her mirth as no man has ever held his at fun poked at himself and isabel seaton happened to be the tenth you didn't really know me before i was married she continued with that irresistible candour which had ever been one of her greatest charms so you've no idea how egregiously conceited i was and how much cleverer i thought myself than anybody else or in fact than anybody else thought me either 
and therefore you can't understand what a killing joke it is to me to see myself developing into the ordinary commonplace domestic and devoted wife it makes me laugh every time i think of it doubtless it is very romantic when the ugly duckling turns into the snow-white swan but the real joke comes in when the promising signet develops into the humdrum barn-door fowl and that is my case to a t i'm very humdrum and excessively barn-door but i've got the saving grace left to see that it's funny and isabel laughed softly to herself as long as you're funny and know that you are funny you aren't well you are not quite so funny as you would otherwise have been i do not understand you at all i couldn't go on doing a thing that i knew was ridiculous i might be ridiculous without knowing it i suppose everybody is sometimes but i would rather die than be ridiculous consciously i hate to be laughed at it is absolute torture to me isabel nestled into her easy chair with that snug coziness of hers which forms such a marked contrast to fabia's lithe grace then you make a great mistake half the fun of life consists in seeing how funny you are yourself and in watching other people find it out but fabia still looked puzzled as she said it was torture to her to be laughed at for she was one of those supersensitive souls who are not shielded by a saving sense of humour therefore isabel's attitude of mind was incomprehensible to her perhaps the fact that one woman had been born inside the red cord and the other outside accounted for the phenomenon in both cases i used to roar with laughter continued isabel at women who couldn't see their husbands faults it used to seem too utterly idiotic for anything and yet now for the life of me though i see paul's mistakes i cannot discover his faults i know they must be there like mrs wilfer's petticoat because everybody has them and nobody is an exception but try as i will i can't find them out you are candid at all events remarked fabia who was as yet too young to decide whether to despise her friend for being a fool or to admire her for confessing it according to the poet gray the boys at eton had learned the truth that sometimes tis folly to be wise but the soundness of the inverse platitude that sometimes tis wisdom to be foolish is never grasped by those on the so-called sunny side of thirty i always try to be for there's nothing i hate so much as humbug and affectation there's a lot of that going about nowadays my dear fabia especially on the subject of marriage and i want you to be on your guard against it and not to be choked off any really nice match just because of the nonsense preached by silly women and modern novels which bring me to the point of the conversation from which i started i generally get round to my starting point if you only give me time like the oft-quoted boomerang suggested fabia thus setting her loquacious hostess upon a fresh track oh my dear there's no greater delusion than the idea that boomerangs invariably travel with a return ticket we've got one in the corner of this very drawing-room which was once given me by someone who had been to australia if that is where boomerangs grow i forget who it was i remember it was someone who was in love with me at the time but i can't for the life of me recall his name anyway i thought it rather an interesting object to have about the sort of thing that promotes conversation don't you know so when we came to live here i stuck it up at the back of the cosy corner supported by two venetian glass vases that somebody else gave us for a wedding present i have seen it 
happily captain gaythorne caught sight of it one day when he was being even duller than usual and it started him on quite an intelligent description of his travels in india that being the nearest to australia that he could manage that is just what it was put there for every drawing-room ornament should have in it the germ of a conversation it is its raison d'etre i suppose that is why country people have upon their chimney-pieces bunches of the plant called honesty it gives them an opportunity of expatiating upon that overrated virtue and of so drifting into the universal pleasure of telling unpleasant truths to one's friends and neighbours i remember he discoursed exhaustively upon the time-honoured subject of boomerangs and told long tales of how they invariably came back like curses to roost do they that's all he knows if you so much as breathe when you are anywhere near to ours it at once tumbles behind the cosy corner breaking any wedding presents that it comes across on its way and then does it come back to where it started from not a bit of it it remains in retreat like a devotee until somebody breaks their own bones and more wedding presents by creeping under the seat of the cosy corner to fetch it out i know its little ways and mrs seaton shook her head reflectively if you have many friends like captain gaythorne i do not wonder that you select drawing-room ornaments that start conversation said fabia with that touch of sarcasm which generally flavoured her remarks yet on the whole she liked captain gaythorne liked him better than any one she had as yet met since she came to england she was by no means the first woman who has abused men because she liked them and gone near spoiling her own life and theirs accordingly nor will she be the last it is merely a symptom of a certain sort of shyness and not the worst sort of shyness either but isabel was not the woman to appreciate or sympathize with shyness of any kind now i won't have you abusing charlie gaythorne she cried i won't allow it in my drawing-room under the shadow of my own boomerang charlie is my darling as you have probably heard before or words to that effect and besides he is one of the men i want you to marry the girl winced she hated isabel's easy half-insolent way of disposing of her as if she were a parcel of foreign imports and yet there was a sort of attractiveness about the insolence all the same it was so good-humoured she was beginning to understand why her father had once wanted to marry this woman it was the same sort of reason which in a minor degree had made him enjoy a sharp wind and a cold bath a reason which no pure oriental could ever have comprehended but fabia was no pure oriental there was a strong strain of western thought and feeling in her composition and it was probably her eastern sense of reserve and mystery underlying her western inclination towards all that was essentially british and modern that endowed the girl with so strong a fascination the fascination of incongruity made congruous that she possessed fascination there was no doubt but it was purely a personal magnetism not an intellectual one those who merely read her history will probably find her without charm but those who met her face to face felt it in the very marrow of their bones you are always wanting people to get married she said it seems to be your one idea of entertainment i believe it is the only thing that permanently amuses anybody admitted isabel and it fails to do even that with some 
now fabio as i said before i won't allow you to get absurd modern notions about matrimony it is the fashion nowadays to pretend that most marriages are unhappy but they are not not a bit of it you think it is all pure affectation i think it is all pure rot replied mrs seaton with more force than elegance we are told all sorts of nonsense about marriages being increasingly difficult under modern conditions etc etc and all sorts of silly ways are suggested of untying the knot as if modern conditions cancelled divine laws some things alter as times change and some things don't and sacraments and commandments are among the things that don't we may need a new bradshaw every month but we don't need a new bible then do you mean to say that you don't believe that it is far more difficult for us to find happiness in marriage than it was for your grandmothers persisted fabia who had sufficiently saturated her mind with current literature to have caught the taint of certain phases of modern thought not an atom replied isabel with fine scorn it is merely the fashion nowadays for women to pretend that they don't fear god or love their husbands while as a matter of fact ninety-nine women out of every hundred do both they can't help doing it it's what they were made for a woman who is bottom of her heart doesn't fear god and love her husband is a freak and the proper place for freaks is barnum's then do you fear god and love your husband asked fabia yes with all my heart and what is more i'm not ashamed of it as so many women are ashamed of it indeed why the sun might just as well be ashamed of shining or the moon of giving light as a woman of doing the two things for which she was created if i had a husband fabia remarked i should never let him know how much i loved him shouldn't you i know better and isabel whistled softly to herself in a manner at once inelegant and expressive no i should just wear his heart upon my sleeve and peck at it whenever i felt inclined fabia persisted but i should never let him know what was in my mind so i used to think in my single days but when you're married you'll find the sleeve is on the other leg so to speak he'll wear your heart upon his sleeve and do whatever he likes with it but he won't peck at it because men aren't pecking animals and you'll love to have it so fabia smiled she was again reminded of her father and his cold baths and windy rides and so you want me to marry that stupid captain gaythorne surely he is too stupid to want to marry me not he he adores you and he'd be an excellent husband it was characteristic of isabel that she did not say or even think that he would also be an excellent match fabia noticed this omission and put it down in her own mind to isabel's credit there was a strain of fine unworldliness about this finished woman of the world that highly commended itself to a girl brought up as fabia had been in the whole of isabel's complex nature there was not one grain of snobbishness somewhat rare praise to be given to the sons and daughters of western nations and fabia accorded it ungrudgingly but he has got a face like a cherub's she objected he has got a much better figure than a cherub retorted isabel i don't know that a cherub has a bad figure what there is of it but there's plenty of charlie's figure such as it is 
at that moment the butler flung open the door announcing mrs gaythorne and captain gaythorne talk of the angels and the devil begins wagging his tail murmured isabel under her breath as she rose to receive her visitors End of chapter three